Okay, then I guess let's get started. Um, welcome to the to be determined. The blank. No, no fucking idea what the hell this shit's gonna be called. Podcast. Um, my name's Alonzo. Hello, I'm Toma. I'm Ryan. Okay. Um, and so today we're going to discuss Weezer's 1994 seminal self-titled album. Um, otherwise known as the Blue Album. And what we're going to try and do is we're going to uh, go deep and talk about all sorts of different things and how it relates to our lives and all kinds of other music stuff. And then we're going to uh, take that album and make it an EP. Uh, and so we'll go through each of our kind of EP versions of the album. Okay. Um, so let me kick it off, I guess. Um, this album came out in 1994, I think it was in May. Uh, it came out a month after Kurt Cobain died, uh, two months after The Downward Spiral, and three months after Green Day's album, Dookie. Um, I remember, I remember, uh, Ryan, I remember that watching this video, like, off of one of your tapes of, like, recording MTV in the middle of the night, I think, sure. uh, uh, watching the video of Undone. Wait, is Tomo aware that this existed? That oh, this yeah. was a thing? I don't know, maybe so, not. So, um, at the magic time of our teenage years, Toma, um, I used to tape 120 minutes at Dad's and then take those tapes back to Petersburg with me because Petersburg didn't have an MTV option. Mm. So I was the uh, I was the alternative music dealer in our so, small friend group. I know I didn't know you guys at that point, but I'm laughing because in separately in Milam, I was actually doing the same thing. Um, and it's a great story because my mom, for a very brief window in time, had signed up for DirecTV, like just the briefest of, uh, I think it lasted all of like max two to three months. Yeah. And the reason that that was very short lived was because, um, I would do that. I would stay up all night. I would I would tape like 120 minutes. I would like, you know, headbangers ball, like whatever was on overnight, I was yeah. watching, I was like listening to, and she would get, she got really tired of like coming down at 3 a.m. and being like, go to bed. Right. So then she started putting a password on the direct TV so that we couldn't watch it and, you know, and <laughs> turn it on. So the links that John, Jill, and I then went to, to like Beautiful. get around that were probably criminal actually now that i think about it um in hindsight but like we would call i would call direct tv and tell them i was her and be like my kids have messed up the password again i need you to reset it we would just like we would stand behind her in another room and watch as she like entered the code in. we would put substances on the remote to see which things her fingers wow. touched okay. and after a while she got so goddamn tired of this that she was like i'm canceling the direct tv but I was doing that same thing for all of three months. I was wow. Her, Hercule fucking Poirot over there, like yeah, dust, yeah. dusting fingerprints. Dusting. <laughs> you tried yeah. it. She That's was trying to. You know, I had uh, I had music videos that uh, really had to be watched, and I did not appreciate her mingling. See that this is what uh, lax parent lax parenting does for stories because. I just taped it. I, I just I set yeah. up the thing and recorded and yeah. I just taped and then, it. And then you would bring it back to school and then we'd go over to my house and watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, ex I'm examining my privilege, right? 
<laughs> uh, life was always harder in Milam, and it doesn't matter which aspect of life it was. But uh, this yeah. is a fair point you make. Yeah, yeah. No, good point. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's funny how many things like this kind of started from that. Like, dude, I have no so idea what's things. on this tape, but let's make a copy of it. So and many distribute things. I feel like like everything in the night, like Soundgarden. I remember Certainly. watching Black Hole Sun on those tapes. I remember. Okay, I remember yeah. watching. Okay, I don't know if you remember this. I remember watching a video, the video for Ween song "Push the Little Daisies," and it was the most confusing fucking shit of all time. Because yeah, like, yeah. they're like they're like on helium and like they're singing some sort of weird song. I just remember it being so fucking weird. But I never followed up or anything like that until much later. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's not like Ween was really like readily available no. without a trip somewhere. Not at all. Like, no. Yeah. But um, so yeah, many things. Fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's probably accurate for the first time I can think of seeing Weezer. I mean, it's hard for me to piece together the exact moment because it didn't really hit me that hard. Um, but yeah, it makes sense that that's where my first exposure came from. Let me get back to that, so, which is, is really interesting to me. Like it when I remember fear, first hearing it and like first listening to the record and all that, like it did not hit really hard with me it like it didn't like i wasn't like yeah this is my shit or whatever like the way i was with other stuff in the 90s and i don't know why i i yeah i don't know i my first memories of like buddy holly um i mean it was fine it just yeah i don't know it just didn't hook me hard i, I remember other people started getting into it it was one of those like oh Okay, I guess I can have a music conversation with other people now. Like there's, <laughs> right? There's, I, I don't have to talk about you know weird, obscure, you know metal or whatever that I was into at the time. Right. Um, yeah. And it was it's popular. like, oh yeah, Buddy Holly, I like that. We right. can bond. It was like pretty popular back then. Yeah, for sure. Well. Like, what, what I, about you, Jenny? Um, I actually. As far as I can recall, I think that I first heard it because John had gotten this album from like BMG Music Service or something. Oh, yeah. Another <laughs> another back in the day it's reference. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was just kind of playing it around in his room, and that's where I think I really first heard it from him. But you know, you want to talk about like if you you know you mentioned like things that we had like emotional baggage with or not and i'm i'm actually in the same boat as you guys like it was the sort of thing where i was like you know it it didn't grab me hard um but i think that that was because to me like weezer was always that sort of like stuff that you could have on and it was like kind of goofy it was kind of like a you know like a good time it wasn't super serious even though i think that you know, reading up on it, like, some of them were meant to be serious, but it was just, like, that stuff that, like, you know, I don't have any, it, it's not, like, a breakup song, you know, right, or it, right. like, yeah. my closest attachment to the anything on this album, by far, is the Sweater Song, um, right. because it was just, like, that was the one I latched onto, like, really tightly, and the rest of it kind of fell by the wayside. I mean, like, Buddy Holly's cool, and I like it, and, I like, when it came on, I was like, yeah, but... Sweater Song was like the anthem of just being a fucking, you know, 
dingbat and just kind of goofing off. Like I remember, and I think Lewis, this was probably pre you showing up in high school. But I was gonna say this is a this is roughly that same time frame. Maybe you were there. We were. No, I was there. I was there for maybe that first trip down where I was like dipping my toe in the water of like I think I don't want to be up here anymore. I think I want to be somewhere else. So. the the strongest like memory I associate with Weezer at all um, is being in Mrs. Marshall's class like and it was dead quiet middle of some period I don't even remember which one and it was just super quiet everything was just like real still we were reading no one was talking and down the hallway she had the door open you just heard like just very quietly like someone singing the sweater song down the hallway <sighs> echoing. You know, okay. and it got like louder and louder, and we're all just like, "The fuck!" And this guy Rob, who was a senior at the time, was just like, you know, who was always like, never gave a fuck, was just walking down. If you want to destroy, and it was like the echo in the hallway. <laughs> we were all just like, like that perfectly to me encapsulated like yeah. the vibe of that song. It was just like, I'm just, I'm just fucking bouncing, man. Like whatever. You're, you're you know? totally, you totally hit on something I think there, which is that like. You're right. Like, I feel like the vibe was disposable, silly, fun. And, yeah. like, this was, like, a yeah. month after after Kurt Cobain died, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was nice to have some distortion and some lightheartedness. Yeah. yeah. It's um, heavy. It's a heavy-ass album. I don't know if you, well, like, it's I heavy mean, as fuck. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know how far, like, if around, you know, I'm just going to jump around. Mm-hmm. But, um... Produced by Rick Ocasek, it's their first album. Like, this isn't like, oh, these guys have been, you know, hoofing it around the California scene for a couple of EPs, even, uh, or a seven inch, right? Like, it's straight up the first time they record anything, they record with Rick Ocasek at Electric Ladyland. So, like, it was super tight in production. Like, it had just that perfect level of distortion. Uh, that made it like angsty, yes. but not like not limiting in terms of like like oh that's angry music. You, you it's like hear, oh you, there's that's grungy music. You could hear the vo- the vocals, yeah. the harmonies. The, right. Rivers like is always like in fall half times like in falsetto. Yeah, yeah. So it's like very. No, I think you're right too. Like it, it is the production is like really tidy. And like, it's cra- it's crazy how clean this album is for like like. Especially, like, you read a couple of articles about where they were um, in recording a lot of this stuff, or, or where they wanted to record this stuff and where they recorded it. It's polar opposite. Like, they're like, oh, we'll do this thing in our garage. Like, we'll just record everything in the place that we practice and play. Right. And it's this, like, garage in the middle of, you know, urban, uh, suburban California. And, like... It goes from that to this perfect, crisp, clean, like Boston-esque, like, like, just, I don't know who who gets their first album produced by Rico Kasich well, when like, when he's yeah. established. Like, it's a different thing with like, um, uh, Rick Rubin producing early Beastie Boys stuff, right? Like, they're all on the come up. These guys are twenty-three and sitting down in a professional studio and. And it shows. Yeah, the I, so with with Ocasek, I think I think I read an article that they they 
basically the label was like, no, you're not going to record this shit on your own, right? Yeah. And so the label was like, okay, you got to pick a producer. And they looked at a list of producers and they were like, oh, we like the cars. Like, sure. <laughs> and then, so they picked, they picked the Rick Ocasek. Um, I think, I don't know, this is probably the smartest thing they could have done. Just because, like, I mean. Small, I don't, like, yeah. Lucky that they got to make that choice. Yeah. And what was, there was another, oh, he was, he was producing a Bad Brains album at the time. Right. It seems so crazy. you're moving from <laughs> Bad Brains, which, I mean, obviously it's not really Bad Brains, but it's still, like, these are well-known punk artists. Yeah. And you bring in this, like, polished poppy yeah, yeah i don't know well yeah. i feel like the dna of this record is like just very very different from like all the other kind of grunge or alternative like records back then right yeah it's hard to call it like so you were talking the three albums that came out right yeah like maybe it's closest to dookie it's not it's not never mind like it doesn't mm. like it feels melancholy but it doesn't feel like a melancholy that you got with Nirvana. It's not, it's not, It. I feel like, I think you said Boston, like, I think there's something there, like, it's like Cheap Trick, Boston, The Cars, right? It's like a different... Yeah. I think it's very, I mean, to me at least, I just was like listening to it for like another time, like right before. It's very Cars to me, and, and I'll freely admit to probably being a bigger Cars fan than I am a Weezer fan, but I like this one. I, I love it. But to me, it kind of, when I was listening to it again with that knowledge in mind, like, there were definitely, like, you know, I just kept hearing things and I was like, that's Rick, you know? Because if you listen to the Cars, I think that that's true, too. Even when, even when he's got songs where he's kind of down, like, it's still, like, not real super serious and it's not long before it's just like all right well like, like it's just bounce again you know like it had that those same hallmarks to me and it, and it's super compressed like the only time you get any kind of real sustain is through a guitar solo right, right. like yeah. like everything is just like punctuated um and distorted um Did, but yeah what about okay what about the beach boys because like to me like so like Nirvana does Nirvana like okay like it's like if you think about all these bands and what who their like sort of godfathers are in like rock right like so you think of Nirvana like to me I feel like the Beatles are like the, the, the me puppets yeah yeah like I feel like like there's like a kind of there's a lineage right like and yeah. then you talk about like Pearl Jam and it's definitely the Stones and other bands yeah. like that right like you think about like you know, Green Day, it's like Ramones, right? Like, you think about... But this band, like, to me, like, I feel like is one of the few bands from that time where, like, the DNA, like, starts with the Beach Boys. I mean, I, I think it's hard to have that kind of vocal harmony, even if it is with yourself, um, yeah. and not have a direct Beach Boys comparison. I like, like, referencing the Beach Boys all over the place on this record, and, like, there's... The album art. The, the album the art. Cover, the cover art was from some obscure greatest hits from like a truck stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and it's like my brain wants to fill in what that image looks like. Cause I think I've seen it before, but yeah, at the yeah. same time, it's so general that of course I think I've seen it before. Right. Right. Like there's other stuff throughout there too. Like, um, that song we, we can talk about later that song in the garage. Um, and there's a bunch of made, other like made my EP cut. Yeah, mine too. 
I, I, I cannot wait to find out how similar our, our EP Well, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think for me, like, I'm actually most... In, I think I can probably figure it out for you, Ryan. Uh, but I, I'm more interested in hearing Jenny's because, like, it, it's, it's going to... I think it might shock me. Well, we'll see. Uh, so, teaser. Tomo, like, the thing that, like... All right, so the thing that I most associate... Uh, with you and your sister both from this time frame, and I, and I say that like with the oh, thought no. of like it was a few years. It's punk music, like oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you guys yeah. like. So I was telling Alonzo this the other day. So our early exposure to punk music was a friend of ours that Duh. I remember. Yeah, I remember from like kindergarten, um, <laughs> and he yeah. went away for a while and came back and like like some sort of punk rock Johnny Appleseed totally. brought us like this entire world that started with like bootleg Nirvana CDs, yeah. like, like Outcesticide. Outcesticide. Yeah. So I had no idea that world existed um, <laughs> until he started hammering on how good some of that stuff was. Yeah. But then he also brought like the screeching weasels mm. and like some really like the Cal a lot like, of California pop. Yeah, Operation Ivy, like yeah. a lot of stuff that like there was no that shit didn't even show up on 120 minutes. Like mm -hmm. I, I defy anyone to dig through this tapes and find any time <laughs> I would have seen these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, but then I moved, I moved to Moorfield and started going to school with you guys regularly after dipping my toe in water early. Um, and you guys were on like, like I remember No Effects and Epitaph Records, yeah. like. You guys were on the like, like punk rock sampler, Punkorama, maybe the first album I borrowed from the top, the Toma household. Um, so um, yeah, no, I was, I had a, I had kind of a direct pipeline, and it was just random. Um, speaking of Green Day, speaking even yeah. in in eighth grade, I uh, went to the National Spelling Bee, um, and some, I was wearing a Green Day shirt there, which is like, you know classic me there's like a, a bunch of um very very studious nerds and here i am like in my dookie shirt with, like a little like turtle on it and my mom is like really you know and i'm like so some other random guy was there uh who also was wearing a green day shirt so instantly we were like yo and then i just had like a pen pal thing going with him and he was like mailing me all these like cassette tapes of like oh, rancid wow. and because he lived in san francisco and so he was, i remember like, going, that yeah. yeah, he was, like, going to the clubs and, like, recording this shit on his, like, you know, or whatever it was he was doing, would just mail them to me. And so I had this, like, really lucky opportunity that would never have ex existed otherwise at all, obviously, to just, like, get exposed to, like, all the stuff that was then coming out. And this was, like, what, 1995? Out of, yeah, like, San Francisco punk scene. Yeah. Uh, so I took a hard detour, you know, like I like went like deep into like the punk stuff for, you know, a couple years. And, um, and yeah, like that time I was pretty tuned out of other stuff, but I got, I had that going on instead. Uh, yeah. I think I probably, I think I had maybe had a class with your sister and then, yeah. um, got turned on to the punk stuff through her and then found out that you were into the punk stuff and already had classes with you. So I think that kind of became my like and then, and my yeah. end to us hanging out, and uh, and it was it was just like holy shit, 
you know not only the bands that I know and no one else knew about, but like you have all these other like, <laughs> albums that I've never even thought existed. Like, it, yeah, do all it was you, like that. To all you young fuckers out there, right? Like, Here we like, go. Here we go. Like, do you understand? Like back then. Like, so there was no internet. There was no internet, and not, but like, the, just the preciousness of like new there music or different music. Two, two radio stations where you may hear distortion on the guitar that you're hearing, and and I that was it for us. I got, yeah. I got NPR and I got Weld, which was bluegrass. <laughs> yeah. you didn't get the Q. You didn't get the Q no. ninety four. No, no, the mountains were in the way, man. Yeah, we, we got yeah, yeah. I have fond memories I, of that. I have, I have, so I had family that was honestly not far from your parents' place in Milam. They were further towards Moorfield, but, um, like, I remember there was a point where you, like, went on the other side of that range and you lost all mm-hmm. hope of rock and roll on the radio. <laughs> that's um, true. And yeah. that struggle's fucking real, y'all, because it For was, sure. you couldn't even back in the day you had to like wait by the radio until your favorite song came on and then rush to like hit record if you ever wanted to hear it again i think that's how i got sorry yeah i was just gonna say if you didn't even have the radio to do that like you were sol like where does that come from yeah yeah i i think that's how i got um so i I try and think of the first time i listened to any kind of like hip-hop or rap music and like yo mtv raps was certainly an angle but i think i think maybe the one of the first was like maybe a will smith song on the radio and having to record like will smith and jazzy jeff it was like nightmare on my street or whatever like oh okay yeah it was like the that horror angle and it was something that i have no idea how that made it on the radio so, so i mean i feel like for me I didn't. I almost never recorded anything off the radio. I think basically, between the two of us, because remember I had the boombox with mm-hmm. uh, with the tape deck. Right, so they had two yeah, tapes. The, had two. The two like tape the decks and the CD player on top. So like I dubbed a whole fuck. Like it, I dubbed a your whole cousin. Thing. Your cousin hooked my, it. Hooked you up with a up. bunch of tapes you weren't into. Pink Floyd. And... Marley. Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. I think I like the next time I, if, yeah, hopefully you see your cousin at some point. I have a lot of thanking to do yeah, for my no exposure. To my my cousin Floyd also gave Led me these Zeppelin. like all these tapes, which were dubs of Beatles vinyls too. Like, yeah, no, she was awesome. Um, all right, hold on, wait, back to back to this shit. Uh, <laughs> um, Stop tangent, reverse. <laughs> back to this shit. No, I mean. I, I think it is important to give the context because like this was like 94 95 like just people yeah. don't understand how pre- like music is ubiquitous and like it's just everywhere and just disposable like back then it was just not that wasn't the case it was like precious yeah I, but we say that and like so one of the things we wanted to talk about is are like any kind of memories or emo- like I don't have anything strongly tied to this is like maybe there was a moment or two for some of the like some of the other tracks not like buddy holly um I have, maybe yeah. maybe some of the latter ones that i had like some sort of pensive emotional moment around but not anything that was habitual this wasn't this wasn't my jam 
but uh, I remember that um, I remember when I was a freshman and I was on the tennis team we went on like road trips um, there was this dude I'm not gonna name his name there was this dude who was like he, he was like he was, let's say he had a lot of power over what got played in the van um, when we were going on road trips and like he was like super Christian so like most of the shit that was played was like Michael W. Smith and like some yeah no just some like hey. yeah just bad shit yeah um, so but anyway um, w- for whatever reason this Blue album was played on those trips so like I just I it's... have and I wasn't listening to the lyrics I didn't have any deep moments. It's just like kind of like it was playing when we were like on road trips. Sure. I mean, I think that was so like um, one of the things I was reading was talking about how Rivers Cuomo's feelings for Buddy Holly was, you know, it's kind of kitschy. I don't know if this is really a track for us. It's it's yeah. Um, I think Rick Ocasek, like apparently he pushed for it pretty hard to be recorded and I mean he was right it's it's super uh, and the sales of this album are based almost solely off of that song it's super catchy and the video was like yeah. super clever um, yeah alright you want to get into Spike Jones. you want to get into like the track by track um, yeah let's start yeah, with yeah. Uh, let's start with my name is Jonas first track so like that is a fantastic album opening like those clean that cleanly picked uh progression at the very beginning mm-hmm. into the distortion is it's a perfect opener right. um somewhere like halfway through not as into it as i was at the beginning but but yeah it was they, a great opener there's a lot of their songs on this album that like start like that right like a kind of like acoustic like intro and then it goes into like it's like the loud quiet loud thing right like the pixies yeah, yeah. pixies type of deal right where yeah and i, th- I think i was just like popular around then that that whole the way they arrange those songs so the one thing i, I did some research on this song the one thing i found out is that like this is possibly a reference to this book called the giver um uh the i think the main character's named jonas and then Apparently, in the second verse, Rivers names his sled, and the sled, the like at the end of the book, spoiler, um, uh, <laughs> Jones gets away in the sled. Um, did you guys ever read that book, The Giver? Was it just me? Hey, I don't think I did. If I did, then it was absent. It's it's like. But, a if, you, but if you named the sled, though, I like my mind immediately went to Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're so, just, yeah. you're high minded, dude. Like this is like you're no, you're no, 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 no. You're on the side of it. I will not take those accusations. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the yeah. So okay, it was a book that I read when I was a kid. It's a YA book. Uh, I think it's written by Lois Lowry. Um, huh. And like the premise is like it's like they don't really tell you a lot, and you can kind of tell it's a sort of dystopian world where like your you know everyone's lives are very very controlled. And then again, spoiler. I mean, fuck, fuck you if you're like pissed off about a spoiler in 2024 book that came out like 30 years ago. Okay. So, mm-hmm. But um, it turns out That's that there's like it turns out <laughs> yeah. that like it's like a kind of like soil and green type scenario minus the actual eating where like they it's a society that has a ritual around sacrificing the elderly, and and then 
and everyone's emotions get sort of suppressed by this like drugs that they take and like the, it you can't see color in this world right and then like the way he starts realizing he's different is that he starts being able to see color anyway um it's um really when i read it um it was kind of cool and like you know definitely fit into a lot of the other stuff i dug back in the day so um about uh, back to the song though um <laughs> yeah, not not that it was you know that's fine but i just have a point i wanted to throw in there about it which is mm. that Thank I am you. not. I am not much of a um, verbal listener. Like when I listen to music, I honestly most of the time don't even know what the, the lyrics are, or I, and I don't think about what they're referencing or anything like that. I'm just like there for the music mostly. It's a a shortcoming of mine. Um, but what I do love about this, even though this song is not necessarily, it's not my favorite on the album. It's like it's fine, you know, it, it's good. Uh, but what I do like about it is that throughout the whole thing, like even when you have the quiet parts, even when you have like the other parts, there's a consistent, it keeps that same beat the whole time. So like even, you know, like your head, if you're head banging to it lightly in your car on your three hour commute, I mean, I don't know who would be doing that, but uh, um, yeah, uh, it, it's like you, it never misses a beat. It, even through all those changes, it keeps the same exact like rhythm the whole time, and I appreciate yeah. the shit about that, about that one, even I, though it's not. My I think it's actually a great transition to the next song. Uh, the next song being "No One Else." Um, I'm with you in that, especially back then. I didn't really care too much about the lyrics. Um, or I didn't really think about them too much, at least. Right. Right. Yeah. And so this next song, no one else, I remember enjoying. Um, and I remember I know the lyrics, like you know, because it's a catchy song, so you remember the lyrics, right? And then like I'm listening, I'm re-listening to this album. I had that same experience. Today. Yeah, I think I think we all did. Uh... Well, that did not age super well. Just <laughs> I mean, it's it does, like I don't know if it's supposed to be communicating something about insecurity and control. It doesn't feel that deep. Um, yeah, yeah, the lyrics are problem. I don't think you can make. I also don't think you can make an argument that this is like supposed to be like sarcastic or like he's I playing mean, a I, role or whatever. You know. <laughs> I think I think that's an argument that a lot, like maybe there's a lot of like early Weezer like that people try and argue is kind of like sarcastic or tongue in cheek or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. like, I, I don't know, the tone doesn't really change. So it's hard for me to pick up on what is and isn't. And it doesn't seem deep enough to really be a sarcastic examination of that. But yeah. I don't know, I maybe don't know. it is. I don't know. So I mean, just it, to... it grooves, it, it grooves <laughs> in a, it grooves in the kind of way that I can like, you know, I can, kind of turn off that part and and it definitely grooves but, yeah but I mean, yeah that like the lyrics are just like just i, don't know. Just a I, I think it's honestly just a relic it, that might be mostly just a relic of the time because i mean i was thinking about this earlier when i was giving another listen through is that you know i i don't i'm not gonna quibble with like the general, like, you know, oh, like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be fucking awesome if there was a person who just was, like, super interested in me and I was sure. all this kid? Like, we all get that, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. 
but the way that it's phrased I think is very couched in 1990s terms when no one thought twice about that yeah yeah, yeah I, I agree like I feel like a little bit better vocabulary and maybe we could get the sarcasm but like it's yeah it just like it feels like um pensive insecurity it's like worst I, I don't like I don't think I don't think it was sarcastic. I think it actually fits in really well with like, yeah, like it's like the the alpha nerd that like. So, it, so it's, this is the proto alpha nerd. I think this is the proto alpha. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. this is like like this is like. I don't think it was an accident. You know, like these like dudes. That, like, and 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 you know, here's the thing. Like for me, right. Like, when you have, like, when you're 14 or 15 or whatever, and you're just, like, overwhelmed by all these, like, feelings, and you don't fucking sure. know what to do with them, right? Sure. Like, it definitely rang true of, like, like, you know, like... But they're 24. Like, that's true. That's, that's but they're, true. But they're 24. And certainly at 24, I was uh, maybe that. yet, to, yet yeah. to be human, uh, <laughs> but I wasn't that either. Yeah. Not like, that. Uh, right. Yeah. Not that. I mean, just to reiterate yeah. from the course, I want a girl who will laugh for no one else. When I'm away, she puts her makeup on the shelf. When I'm away, she never leaves the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's straight up insecurity in like the most like detrimental way possible. It's really yeah, just it's like, bad. it's like, look, I feel shitty about me. And I know that like the moment you don't have to look me in the eyes, you're gonna, you know, try and find happiness because obviously you can't find me so yeah. you know if we could just lock you in a room i'm gonna be on tour just yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no nah. agreed yeah i think it's, it's like good. a yeah um it's catchy though it does slap it is fucking catchy but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's really like yeah there's a groove it's good you know if you were to take the lyrics out and replace them with like, you know, Adobe autofill gibberish, I'd be yeah. nodding just as hard. Um, probably harder. There's a podcast. You take you take dated song lyrics that are no longer cool and you, uh, you you replace them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. The clearance on that would probably be like it's like Song Exploder, but for problematic ideas. Yeah. We're just going to explode the, the <laughs> fuck out of here, but then just tear oh, apart some. Uh, there's that, st do, you, do you guys know that Steely Dan song? I think it's called like Hey 17 or something. Yeah, Hey 19. Hey 19. Yeah, you know, Hey 19. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so, I, see, I was, I was making it worse than it was, but like, <laughs> like, but that, but that song, like. She I was know. 19 along with it. Sorry. 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 Very, Sorry, we, Donald. They didn't just wait for <laughs> consent age. They gave it a couple years. <laughs> just, because that's all you need. You just need a couple years, I, and then you're making adult decisions. Just, I think that song is fucking awesome, and uh, but it's a little cringy for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. What about the world has turned and left me here? Track three. Um, I I like the chorus. The chorus sticks with me. Um, just that, like, it's a very simple progression. It's like, here we go. Um, it's a very Ramones kind of presentation in Weezer in that it's this, like, guitar solos aside, simple, uh, straightforward melody that, like, it grooves or it doesn't groove. Um, and 
the, yeah, the chorus of that grooves hard. The rest of it is like I've forgotten it already, and I listened to it twenty minutes. So ago. yeah, uh, Jen, Jenny, thoughts? Um, I I like I like that it's got like it's a very um. I don't know if reliable is the word I want to use, but it's got like, you know, if it's just on, you're just like, sure. But like, you know, it, it's groovable. It's on while it's on, but I'm with Lewis. It's like when it's not on, it's just like, uh, but, mm, yeah. is, this, is this a, did you guys catch the jerk off reference? Um, I did not. Please, okay. please elaborate. So there's in the first verse, it's, I just made love with your sweet memory 1000 times in my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I mean, to, I mean, well, yeah. Can I can I also just say that I I did read those lyrics and I and I didn't go straight to he was touching himself so I, it might be what I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I yeah. but uh, I'd also like to say I forgot that was in this song. Yeah, I remember hearing it and forgot it was for sure. That's how this song well, writes. I mean, I feel like the album is kind of that, right? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not leading with the lyrics. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I know we're talking about this album, but like, spoiler alert, that's just Weezer. Like, <laughs> they just, they figured out this this groove early. They've deviated with Pinkerton a little bit, if we're going to talk about that. Um, but then like, you know, post, post-Harvard, I guess, like, Rivers Cuomo is like, no, turns out like we had the formula and we're just going to follow the formula. And much like a cake album, it's yeah. like, this is a Weezer song. That's what it's going to it be. It slaps, and then it doesn't, and then it does again. And, <laughs> yeah, it's like if if Weezer and, and Cake, like, could just get along, I, I think they really do it well touring. It's too bad that they have they, a knife fight every do, time they see each is other. Is that true? I, I, I was unaware. Okay. Not uh, true. Making okay. it up. All right. Okay. Fact check. Fact check alert. Um, what, what about, I, so I love the outro of the song. Like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? That's the, uh, do you believe what I'm singing now? Do, do you, you remember yeah. that part? Like, I, yeah, yeah. that's a like little nice counter melody, um, that actually works really well and kind of takes the song, takes the song to the end, you know? Yeah. And I, I think, so like, this is a, this is an example of when that works well, um, I think, in my opinion, that doesn't work well when they try and do something similar with uh, Only in Dreams, mm. the closing track. Okay, we're um, going to get to that, dude. Yeah. I have some good shit for that one. I, it's, I can't wait. <laughs> this is my excitement phase. Okay, all right. Um, Buddy Holly, track four. Um, what else can you I mean, I don't know what the fuck else can you say. Do you have to? I just want to add, though, that... Um, you know, listening to this again now after having, you know, done a little reading um, on it and, and having the whole Rico Kasich connection, which I don't know if I knew that before. And I might have. But if I did, I forgot, honestly. Yeah. But when I listen to Buddy Holly, like, that's the one that, like, strongly smacks of the cars the most. I mean, it's got the yes. keyboard-ish, like, you know, melody. Yeah. It, it, it's just like, it's like listening with that re-listening to it with that knowledge it was just like wow how did i not even put that together like on my own immediately right, right. but yeah. um it's very it's very rick it feels like there's rick all over it for sure it also has that like um much like the cars has that classic like this is rock from 20 years ago vibe mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I feel like that the cars do a really good job of high production, but like sounding like 1950s. Dude, I love and this. I love this the feels cars. the same way. I'm just a complete stand for the cars, man. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like basically yeah. every record I play for the kids. The kids love, like the kids love it because the cars are perfect. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's like, like I have my own cars playlist that I made Chris listen to. I was like, you youngins don't know. <laughs> If only you knew the, the, the difficulty in waiting for this to play on the radio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, to me, like definitely the song has like, and like the video, it's Spike Jones, Spike Jones before he like sure. did all the movies and, and, and it's a really clever idea. So one thing I did want to bring up is, um, do you guys remember the video to Nirvana's In Bloom? Yeah, so this is the one where they're on the fake car show. They're on the fake Ed Sullivan show. Like fake Ed Sullivan. So like, so like, it's like, do you remember like you know the Beatles Ed Sullivan appearance, right? And it was just like Ed Sullivan going the Beatles and girls like screaming and they're on the stage. So the In Bloom video, um, which we'll watch in the after party, um, is like a yeah black and white Nirvana. Like dressed like the Beatles, essentially. Like, yeah. Dressed like a band from back then, on the Ed Sullivan show, and they play "In Bloom," which is like a hard, crazy ass song. Right. Which is why this, which is why when they do it, it works in a very specific way yes. because they both they they show you uh, everything going smoothly, and everything falling apart. Yes. And they start like stitching those two together. Yeah. Um, if they would have. If Weezer would have torn apart um, the <laughs> diner, um, that yeah, that Nirvana's may have been video, more interesting. Nirvana's video, sarcastic. Sure. Weezer's video, sincere. Like I, I mean, they fit in fucking happy happy days. <laughs> sure. Who who you know nobody does an homage to happy days. Yeah, even the Fonz fucking like, does a dance at the end and like everyone cheers. Like it's like it makes sense. I, I, so one of the things I was reading is that originally uh, the line uh, "Ooh, you, you look just like Ginger Rogers." Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I, and I dance just like Fred Astaire. <laughs> and and you know what? Like it feels more specific to like the thing they had going on, like with their friend. Yeah. But um, interchangeable for me. Right. Could go either way. Don't have any. <laughs> Doesn't matter like, to me. Dr- don't care. I mean, Those he does look like, like Buddy Holly. I mean, he wears the same Buddy Holly glasses and like. He 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 does. So I guess we have a, like a visual reference to what he's yeah. talking about. But if he was saying about somebody looking just like Ginger Rogers, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that's actually a, a twenty twenty version of that song. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the hipster version is to reference someone that makes you go to Google immediately. <laughs> I don't know, probably for these young motherfuckers, like, this is like, you know, like, this is the third time I've talked about these young people. Yeah, yeah, it's but, getting, but, just it's getting pathetic. Can we work the word whippersnappers in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you open the blinds and yell at someone to get off? Yeah, get off my property. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one on my property, man. I'm yeah. like, get off my land. Uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah, um. I don't know that there's anything else to say about the song. Like, I like the video is cool. I remember watching the video as a kid. Um, I, it was popular. I, yeah. I do. Um, I do kind of like the vibe of 
you know, as much as I just said that I don't really pay attention to lyrics, and I don't, but I read them um, in order to participate in this whole thing. I actually put, did some homework. Um, and I think that I really kind of appreciate the whole idea of, you know, the whole, like, I, 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 maybe there's a better under, a better idea or understanding of what the whole deal is with um, these people, the guys who are hassling them in the beginning. I don't know what the hell that's about. <laughs> but I do appreciate the, uh, the very quick pivot to, but like, but who gives a shit? Like, right, let's right, just like, right. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. I do. The, the that that may be the, the only redeeming factor for me still. It just, like, this is a great example of the Weezer's kind of, Weezer and the Eagles sit in kind of the same headspace for me in that, like, I don't know, they're, they're fine. Like, they're, they're fine. If someone, I, if I'm somewhere and someone plays them, there's a good chance I'll know the lyrics to the song. Um, there's a good chance I'll enjoy it in that moment. There's also a good chance I will not revisit that on my own just because that, like to hear Buddy Holly in a group wherever I am nowadays when I hear Buddy Holly, I <laughs> I just, there's my Buddy Holly yeah. fix, let's move on. What is, yeah, what's right. the that's context, the, the that's the meme where it's just like, you know, me and, me and my teens, like, oh, like the radio's playing my song, like me in my 30s, oh, this grocery store is playing my song. <laughs> this is... I mean, uh, this is this is me the world you, we live in. Yeah. Uh, I have heard more quality tunes on Sheets Radio than I have on U ninety two. Like that's just <laughs> that's just true. Which yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I miss Sheets, dude. Facts. They don't have a convenience store remotely close to that shit out here, man. Jake was uh, all stoked because Sheets was playing Brian, uh, Brian Jones Hounds Massacre. What? See, that's like okay. Is that like determined by like a cool like sheets manager, or is that I don't know? Because like I don't know. Doing all right. No, it's not playing that. Just just to plug more podcasts, there is an episode of Reply All where they try and search down a um, a cover of a Christmas song that this guy did that he randomly heard like on the speakers in like a grocery store gas station. And there's there there are multiple businesses behind who actually puts what on the radio okay. for those. Like oh. there was a contract for a company that contracted a company that provides a playlist. So, so. I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, uh, Jenny or Ryan. Like, but I basically learned my lesson and I stopped doing this. So what happens is I'll go in a store, right? And I'll be whatever doing. Okay, yeah, pre-pandemic, right, or whatever. <laughs> Like pre sure. this bullshit. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go in a store. Right. That's theory. <laughs> the normal thing. Theoretically, right. And so, um, and then I'll there'll be a song that'll be playing that I'll dig and I'll think, oh, that's kind of obscure. That's interesting, right. And then when I'll go to the counter to pay, I'll be like, oh, that's a cool song, assuming that. Why? Assuming that, like, I don't know, the person behind the counter maybe has like some say over what the fuck's playing, and nine times out of ten. This is what I hear. Oh, yeah, it's just Spotify or it's just Pandora or whatever. Sure. And sure. I've, I've just been disappointed so many times now, like just just over the last like 10 years where I just I'm just like, OK, like I'm not even going to fucking go there. You know, I mean, 
there's the other side of that where like i'm in a whole foods and the cashier wants to have a discussion about you know i fuck it <laughs> even the cars right like yeah. he wants to have a discussion about like for some reason there's a guy at whole <laughs> he is he is your cashier like yeah. if you were a little bit more rich you might be able to pay him to just pop place to place oh, and I be see. your cashier be so my you guy. could have that then we moment. could have that conversation yeah yeah but, like, but, but does, he, have... does he does he control the programming though absolutely not because no, like okay but, like so what it was was but, like the last time this happened to me it was like i was in some store in albuquerque and you know albuquerque is a lot of like like small businesses locally owned it's not like super corporate right like there's a lot of so anyway I'm, i can't even remember where it was right but i hear uh this song by television it's like you know 70s awesome like sure. kind of proto-punk punk bands uh, television like marky uh, moon or marky moon yeah it's is it, uh is elevation that's the song i heard on there mm, and nice. it's a fucking amazing song and i like to me it's like if you know that song and you think that song's cool like we're probably gonna be cool right like, we're probably gonna sure. be friends yeah and, and then like, you try and bond and with I'm, your and well, and i'm just like i'm just like oh hey that's a super cool song um and yeah no yeah that was pandora it's like all right okay here's my fucking money yeah because they're this, just trying to i I'm mean stop trying to make a human connection with anybody like they're trying to do a the, shitty the, job the, and they don't want you the machines out. are just fucking running everything so just yeah. assume that like there's no heartbeat behind anything anymore i you mean know, just look, they, they have a heartbeat but for eight hours a day they have clowns like you walk up to their register clowns about, dude like, yeah. that's a good song man like you know what if they had good taste they'd be like well you know i do like that song like and it's cool i didn't have anything to do with it but i do like that song that would be accept. That would be an acceptable answer to me. Fair, though you didn't come to them with. I like television. Are you familiar with television? <laughs> you said, "Did you put the song on the grocery store radio?" No, 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 no. no. It wasn't cashier. a grocery store. It wasn't like a fucking Whole Foods. It wasn't your guy or whoever the fuck that guy is. <laughs> sure. Guy. It wasn't your dude. It's my guy. I got a guy. Guy. I got a guy. I don't. Oh know. yeah, right. My guy. Yeah, uh, my guy. It's my whole cashier music guy. I mean, but what I'm actually curious about is, and and ask your guy, your respective guys, or your non-guys, as the case may be, but ask them next time. They're like, is it the same playlist every day? That's what I want to know. Or is it just, like, completely random and switched up? Like, if if you're hearing the same shit every day, and you haven't after, you know, I don't know, four months, ten months, years of working there, haven't come around to this television song, then fuck you, honestly, right? Also, you know, and public service announcement, um, you know, when you find out that they have nothing to do with it, just be like, hey, at least it's not the fucking Goo Goo Dolls. Like, like, at least you get television. You could get way worse than television. Oh, it could be so much worse. No, that's what I'm so saying. Much. I thought that was actually pretty cool. Brian Adams, John Mellencamp, any of these, they could be pumping into your ears. In the middle of the I thought it was story. pretty cool. I just yeah. got chills thinking about uh, the being assaulted with Mellencamp everywhere, man. Yeah, not even the Cougar stuff. <laughs> John Cougar. <laughs> All right. Like um, the post-Cougar Mellencamp. All right. Um, what about Undone the Sweater Song? I think this was I the first, first Weezer song I heard back in the day, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Sure. 
Yeah, and I, I always was very confused by it because it starts out with just like a conversation between two people. And I really was confused about that because it wasn't like lyrics that I was just kind of ignoring. It was like, well, there's a party conversation and I'm not sure why this is here exactly. And I always found it very um, mildly intriguing just because I didn't understand what the fuck I was supposed to take away from it exactly. Uh, then, you know, you kind of get past it. It's like, fine, like this is just like being goofy for goof's sake or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I just always loved it. It was so nonsensical and it never made any sense to me. And I like that about it. Plus, you know, it, it's the sing-along song of, of the album, so, yeah. probably. I think you know? you're right. Like, there's just something you you can just yell that, you know, about your sweater, and everyone's yeah. like, yeah, no, I hear you. There's just something Sweaters, man. And, and apparently the conversation stuff, that's like the third or fourth iteration of what they were trying to do with oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, um, I can't remember which of them was tasked with it, but the idea was to play, like, good, like, good self-talk bad self-talk examples and oh. like either ear so you kind of have this like uh contradictory like psychological view um see that would have been cool and then well so it turns out the way the guy did it uh, whichever band member was responsible for it again like i'm not your encyclopedia google's your friend um it Apparently, he had sampled some, like, 200, like, different movies and cut it down to, like, 15 different, like, lines of dialogue. And then Geffen was just like, no, we're not clearing any of that. You guys are just going to have to record the dialogue yourself and just have a conversation. And it completely fell apart. Like, now it just sounds like muddled party conversation I, uh, followed by the sweater song. I mean, look, I love, I like... Okay, I like this song a lot. It it slaps again, just like I mean. I feel like every pretty much every song on this album does. There's just not much to this song. Like no, it's a great mm-hmm. chorus. It's an amazing chorus. Then it's a party conversation. Then it's like lyrics like, "I'm me, me be, goddamn, I am." I mean, it's just shit like that. And oh so, yeah well in a way it doesn't that kind of make it an empty vessel that you can put whatever it is, it is. oh okay all there's right. absolutely nothing fucking all there. right, Miss, all right. Yes. All right. The, most, the most that i could ever like to put into that party combo was like oh maybe he's this is just a commentary on every terrible you know for us introverts every terrible experience where we've been stuck having someone talk at us and it just really wish we weren't there because that's kind of what it feels like i don't know yeah but, uh, no it's mindless it's my even if it wasn't meant to be mindless to me it's mindless and it's just like the the goofiest shit so you can just totally i don't know yeah totally I, you know okay yeah I think was that a Sartre reference? Is that like a being and nothingness reference? Like empty. No, listen, I don't. Again, do not accuse me of. Yeah, I'm, I'm describing. I, well, you mentioned Citizen Kane before, so you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to like be, you know. Fair. Maybe I asked for that. <laughs> no, um, no. I mean, it really wasn't. It was just kind of like this. Whenever I hear it, I'm just kind of like. You know, like a little bit. Oh, like oh, the sweater song. I fucking love the sweater song. It's yeah. so ridiculous. I have never understood it fully, but it's like 
you know, I'm happy it's on. But, but you're you, right. No, it's no, there's nothing to it. You have a, but here's the difference, I think, for, for you, well, like, versus for my memory of the song, is that you have an awesome, specific memory from childhood. From, from That's like, true. you know, like, you have an awesome memory. Neighborhood, yeah. And, like, I feel like, you know, like, like, that probably takes it over the top. For, like, for me, like, like, it's catchy as fuck. I mean, it's just like, but, but again, you know, I mean, spoiler, this did not make my uh, EP cut. And oh, and it didn't just because, like, I don't know, I don't have enough to fucking glom onto, right? Like, there's just nothing there for me. Right? Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I have never, to, and for the record, I still, to this day, I have wondered for many years, like, whenever it's come on, just kind of idly, like, why the fuck are we unraveling a sweater? Like, is it cold outside? Does he need that sweater? Like, that's fucking inconsiderate. Like, what is going on in this song, honestly? The sweater is the metaphor for... For his mental the, health? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For life. For life. I, I, no, I'm not saying... Look, I don't need some sort of, like, epic metaphor for this song. Or, no. like, or like it's actually going to reveal something meaningful. But um, yeah. it doesn't even have a concept. Like there's not even right. like like there's it's just like it's just a chorus, which is cool. Yeah. Um, it's barely a chorus though, isn't it? Like, it's, it's two it's lines. It's two lines. It's a Weezer song. It's a chorus in two lines. <laughs> and honestly, I think that's kind of what I like about it is that it's just fucking so nonsensical and ridiculous that yep. it almost has to be just endearing in that way. Yeah. It, it's like it, it's perfectly what it is like yeah. there's not like, it's like another no. it's not no. competing with another song for it's just a it's fucking like, sweater song yeah it's, it's a song like, about we a haven't even bothered to put a full line of lyrics in this line of lyrics like, if you want to destroy my sweater or I mean, maybe maybe yeah, there are two word sentences yeah. in this song. Pull on the thread. And, and it does not yeah. give a fuck pull the know? string yeah. pull the string yeah yeah it's a bell of a ghosty record. <laughs> no one knows what's happening here, and apparently that wasn't important. I don't know. Okay. It's fine. So, so, moving on. Moving on. So, I mean, so far, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, the Ramones wrote songs about sniffing. So, but that's a concept. A, that's a concept. And then they sniffing wrote a song glue. about Carbona not glue, right? So, like, <laughs> let's move on from glue and sniff something else. Right. Like, that's it, something. It, it, it is. <laughs> it is something, um, but it, but it's also just the simplicity of it and the perfection. Yeah, of what okay. it is. All right, Surf Wax America. Uh, I'm just gonna go right out and say it. It's my least favorite song on the record. I don't like it. Huh? May uh, honestly, like I find it uh, depressing that it sounds the least like a surf rock song <laughs> in an opportunity to make it. But it was definitely one of those. It was one of the songs that made my EP cut, and the sweater song didn't. Huh. I'd rather listen to it than Buddy Holly or. And maybe, maybe that's an exposure ratio. Um, but as I was going through removing songs from the playlist that was the album, I felt like that one stayed. I don't know. It's just bouncy enough um, that I I enjoy it. It's I the don't most necessarily. I don't necessarily like spend a lot of time thinking about it, but in terms of listening to the song, I enjoy it. It's like the most cowpunk song I think of the yeah. album by far. Yeah, and and, it, and it's still a disappointing variation. But and there's... and I actually think the lyrics to the song are actually good, like or interesting. 
right? They're okay. I mean, like, well, they communicate some sort of idea, uh, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, like, hey, you're going to do your lame-ass corporate bullshit, and I'm going to go surfing. Yeah, That's like and then, something. <laughs> and then the undertow is going to drag me out forever. Right, like there's right, right. here's the song. I'm gonna surf, and you're gonna drive to work, and right. your car's gonna run out of gas, and my board's gonna be fine. But oh fuck, the undertow got me, and now I'm doomed. well. Yeah, it's gotta have some pathos. But see, that's something, man. Like I, I feel like that's something. It, I, it's just not yeah. like memorable to me. Like the the melody is like really, it's like very not memorable. Um, you, you know what? It didn't feel like it didn't feel like. Melancholic and insecure, yes. and, I, and I felt like that was a refreshing break. See, I felt like it didn't album. have it, it. I felt like that made it an outlier. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why it made my yeah. EP. Um, it, that's a fair point. I feel like it actually he at least took a position in this one. Yeah. If if like Best Coast covered this, uh, it would make perfect sense. Right. To me. If like, Best Coast covered it, it is it is a poppy like light um or like, it has a little bit of pathos but it's yeah it's, or like waves I wave i could totally see waves like oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah cover yeah. the song yeah like i i agreed. mean is this the best version of the song probably not but yeah. is it is it, it in 2020 is it then um buddy holly for me it is dude, and no, that may yeah. just be I've, I've just heard buddy holly too many fucking times dude, 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 l- l- listen buddy holly's not on my Cut. So like, yeah, yeah. so like, I don't think anyone. I don't know if anyone's defending Buddy Holly here. No, no, I'm just saying like in terms of like trying. I'm. I guess I'm trying to just point out the fact that like there's something refreshing about this track. Yeah. yeah that yeah. that if I'm gonna listen to this album, it's gonna be one of those songs that I enjoy. Okay. Jenny, any thoughts? Any additional thoughts? Not really. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm kind of with you on this one, man. It's. Uh nowhere near nowhere near one i'm like actively trying to keep around it just it just doesn't i mean lewis makes valid points i don't yeah. disagree with any of those and yeah. i think they're fair yeah. but uh at the same time it just doesn't do a lot for me okay saying it's so. it is fair saying it's so um i love the solo of Say It Ain't So. Say It Ain't So, yeah. So that's track one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Track seven, Say It Ain't So. Um, things I learned about this song that I didn't really know before re-listening to this album. Um, it's about his alcoholic father and stepfather. And I know that the lyrics are in there and I've said them and I've sung along to them. But I wasn't really paying super much attention. Like, there's a reference to a Heineken in the fridge. And, like, I, I missed all that. So, like, I think this is, like, maybe the most sort of, like, you know, real shit, like, people go through as, like, kids, you know, with their parents sometimes. The way, the way I understood it is that he chorus for Say It Ain't So and didn't have anything else from the song and then went through an experience, remembered going through an experience where he saw... Um, yeah, like beer or something in his fridge, and it reminded him of his father's alcoholism. Yeah, and that made him reflect on his stepfather's drinking, and kind of feel the inevitability of like, the alcoholism 
Um, that's I'll, the I'll way drink he explained that, it. Man. Yeah. I, I would, but I've been doing that all. Cheers. I've got like a like a cup, one last drink here. Um, yeah. So on Genius.com, on this song, um, this is the only song where Rivers actually makes, Rivers himself actually makes a comment on the lyrics, right? So the, On like, Genius? Yeah, on Genius.com. So like the first verse is, somebody's high knee is crowding my icebox, somebody's cold one is giving me chills, right? Hmm. So uh, Rivers writes... Funny factoid, Pat actually helped write the first line. I asked him what what was a two-syllable word for refrigerator, not expecting a reply, and he immediately said icebox. It's completely randomly. <laughs> that's, you know, that's some, uh, that's some crossword bubble shit. <laughs> so, my, uh, my grandpa Toma actually used to refer to them as uh, iceboxes. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, so I've never heard anyone else do it, just him. So... But. I was listening to the song with the kids, right? And, like, um, I did some, like, you know, inspired air guitar, right? Just, like, you know, on the, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about, in the chorus, right? Uh, 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 right? And, like, I, I think, God, that riff, it's so simple, but, damn, it hits hard, man. Because, like, the song is, like, really... Like, I was thinking about it, you know, it kind of reminded me of, like, I, I, it sounds weird, but it kind of reminded me of that uh, Chili Pepper song, Under the Bridge. Yeah. Do you know how, like, like the kind of beginning part is, like, this, like, really, like, not distorted, sort of mellow, melancholy kind of thing, but then that thing makes it not Under the Bridge, right? Like, Right. Yeah, I think that one is the closest that he comes to sounding, like, he and or the song music or the lyrics come to like just appearing actively angry or resentful like there's actually something like there as opposed to just being like eh. yeah yeah i don't know if it's the lyrics or that punctuated riff but i kind of agree um also you know like that like two note like downstroke yeah. punch and then the classic like bend fill in between the crunch yeah it just yeah it just like there's an emotive component that just drives it up in a way that the rest of the song doesn't i mean i think this is like to me like one of the most like emotionally intense songs on the record and it's still kind of it still kind of does it you know like and it's like one of the more kind of well-known and popular songs on here but fuck if it doesn't just it, it just sounds it still sounds good to me it still sounds good yeah. to me and, and, like, you know, I think at the beginning I said this album is heavy. I forgot how heavy it is. Like, like I don't know. It was it was in the, in the 90s, so, like, there was, of course, other shit that was heavier. But um, it's a lot heavier than I think it should be. And I love the contrast of, like, the falsettos and the harmonies. But then, like, just these crunchy fucking riffs, right, um, that sound crazy distorted. Um I feel like this like song kind of encapsulates like the best of this album for me. Guess what? It made my EP. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, any other thoughts on saying it so? No. Okay. In the garage. I got some good shit for this one, but, uh, thoughts on in the garage. Yeah. I, 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 enjoy in the garage it made my ep okay 
What about you, Tony? Well, I, I want to hear. I want to hear. Okay, so uh, all right. Okay, I'll talk. In the garage, I've got my Dungeon Master's Guide. I've got my twelve-sided die. Okay, I was sure. not super into D and D. I did play D and D some. Um, I wasn't super into D and D mostly because, like, I had a Dungeon Master that was like definitely one of those like alpha nerds that like would use. D and D is like a way to sort of exert power that he did not have in life otherwise, and so like that was a big turnoff. Um, and I've never really been into sort of the fantasy, the medieval fantasy, right? But but I did play some D and D growing up. Um, I've got Kitty Pride, I've got a Nightcrawler too, right? And so, you know, I, me and Ryan, we were both super super into the X Men. Um, at that time like we were buying all the x-men comics and just like going nuts with that then he's talking about um then he's talking about kiss um so just i hate kiss i hate kiss like i don't i think i'd rather listen to just about anything else than kiss like sure but but i understand the reference right like in other words like kind of simple carefree like rock and guitar and whatever i i get that i i really hate kiss though um just let me reiterate that i mean you know i i guess another thing that i read is that i guess the band he was in ahead of weezer was like they called it like docking but less interesting <laughs> um wow yeah that's, that's so so like the kiss thing makes a lot of sense in that and and yeah i i think the thing you're getting at is kind of my main enjoyment of in the garage certainly like it's one of the songs i can connect with my teenage self at the time and that like i created this happy little space that has like the posters of the things i'm interested in and the books i like to read i like the safe little i can enjoy these things no matter who thinks how they're weird in whatever way right. they still they make me happy and this is Space. right right and like i would write a lot like i would write a lot as a kid like little stories and things like that and like there's another lyric it's like you know i write these stupid like i write these stupid words <laughs> i play these stupid songs and like for me like you know like it was kind of crazy back like so this is a song i wish that i would have gotten into and for me like this is a song like i feel like i back then i would have emotionally connected with like way more than anything and it reminds me of this Beach Boy song called In My Room, which is like one of my favorite Beach Boy songs. And it's the same concept, really. Sure. It's like, and I think it might be one of the first times I've ever heard somebody refer to a space as safe. Right? Like, I feel safe in my garage. Yeah. And like, you it's know. ahead of its time, man. In some way, yeah. In some, in some way. Um, in some way, yeah. like, I... I definitely you listen to the lyrics to this and like it's just like yeah this was written for me even though like not some of the specific references don't like land exactly sure. I feel like it was very much written for me at the time so uh, another fun Weezer album fact um, this song is the least abstracted from experience this song is apparently written about the garage that they practiced and played in in California ahead of recording the album, including just listing the posters on the wall. So like, there's not really much abstraction 
put into the writing of like, this is my safe and happy spot. Um, it's more, this is the garage we're in. Um, but it is, um, yeah, maybe more relatable in that weird abstracted idea because it's so specific. Whereas, I don't know, Sitting Toe or the sweater song, right? We were talking about the abstraction <laughs> and like right. amorphous nature of the sweater song. This one uh, has that, but it's like there was no attempt at that at all. It's just straightforward. Like this is the poster on the wall and this is where we're playing. That's yeah. So with that information, it works. It works. So good. with that information, Jenny, what do you think? <laughs> Does that color your opinion? Uh, no. I mean, I, to an extent, I suppose, like it, I think it's useful to get like some takes on it because, you know, this is definitely one of those that for me is just kind of like, you know, it's there and when it's on, I'm just like, sure, this is fine. You know, mm -hmm. it's fine. But, um, <laughs> but it, it, you know, otherwise it's not, it's not sticking around. It's not super memorable, but I, I get what you're saying though. And I think that I would probably have never, have never, uh, come to that conclusion on my own. So, well, I mean, I think it just like, it, it actually, it's like the way that the sweater song connects with you, like emotionally specifically. Like, right. e even though I didn't really, I don't know that I've ever paid attention to this song when it came out or around that time, but like later on listening to it and you're just like, oh yeah, that song was written for me. I probably should have listened to it <laughs> or paid attention <laughs> in some kind of way, right? Because that song is for me. Um, yeah. You know. Um, okay. What about a Holiday? I just want to make a quick comment yes. about how how this one of all of them, I, I think that those, those multi-leveled, um, the vocals are so 80s reminiscent of so many different bands. Like it's very kind of like Queen almost in a way, yes. but also Cars too. But it's just like, that just stuck out so much when I re-listened to it that I was like, wow. wow. Yeah, that part with the heartbeat where he's like, oh, yeah. and, and there's it's like so multi-leveled. And it is the most 80 sounding, 80 yeah. sounding thing like by far, I think, on this album. You know what? It's so funny that you mentioned that because it reminded me of like um, Death Leopard in some way. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like where it's just like Absolutely. heavy, but also like multi-layered vocals and like big production, big riff, big sound. For sure. Yeah, I could totally see that connection. I, I've, I think that all of this and thinking more today about like, you know, the fact that Rick Ocasek was involved the one thing that I really kind of wish is that we could hear what it sounded like before, you know, before he got his hands on it, before he started, you know, working with it. I would love to hear a comparison between the two. So like, where where was this at before, you know? Yeah. So I think I, you I, can, actually, um, or at least some of it. Um, there, Yeah, because, yeah, like, I think it's on YouTube. If you look up the kitchen tapes, I think that was their demo that got them signed and I think it has a bunch of these songs like in demo form yeah I've kind of thought that too in that like it kind of so to compare it to Dookie um, Green Day has what two three albums before Dookie drops and you get that it's a little bit more raw too right mm -hmm. I think so it's like Kerplunk and 10,000 smoothed out Slappy Hour right um, correct so 
I, I remember that because I really, I still enjoy that Green Day. And, like, there's, like, a purity of that sound in Green Day's, like, experience. They're, like, Dookie was highly produced, and it, it contained that, but it was, like, a more polished version. I feel like it does us a disservice in that we get introduced to Weezer with Rick Ocasek producing Weezer. It, it takes away this, like, like I think that's always been my problem with Weezer. It's like, I, I like a lot of bands that provide that same level of simplicity in terms of riff and lyric. You know, what, Iggy Pop's writing, like, 21 words that are a Stooges song, right? Like, the Ramones are, like, 100% fucking bar chords. Like, right. it, it's just, it's simple, but there's something about both of those that, feels more like genuine and and just relatable whereas like i feel like weezer's album has those same components but it's so perfectly produced that it came out like fine crystal the first time and and i feel like there's a disservice done for that Mm. not that i feel like any of them are like grungy people or you know like like i don't i don't conflate them with the grunge movement and music yeah but they have that perfectly polished sound that I'd like to hear it a little fuzzier. No, I think that's that's a really good point. I mean, I, I really sort of have that same, you know, like were the, were Green Day's first albums like rough? Like, of course they were rough, but like, they still have like, you know, a, a special little place in my heart for like, Oh, like, you know, that's, that's, you didn't, you know, not everything was like quite as well done, but it was like still you, you know, it was very authentic. And we, we were kind of, we didn't really get that. You're right. Okay. So look, I'm going to go to Only in Dreams because I have something to read for you guys for Only in Dreams. Um, Only in Dreams being the last song, um, track 10, it's like almost eight minutes long. I do want to say something before I read this thing, which is the fucking bass line. I love that fucking bass line, man. The... That, that is like... It could play forever to me. Like, it's so catchy and um, kind of ominous. Uh, the fact it's called Only in Dreams, like, I feel like maybe there's some kind of reference to In Dreams, the song by Roy Orbison, which is, like, amazing. (laughs) Even though they don't really have much to do with anything. Like, Roy Orbison does have, like, a kind of, like, sweet sort of, like, harmonies and beautiful voice and whatever, simple songs and stuff like that. But, um, okay. So I found this thing that, um, I found this write-up on Only in Dreams that was written by a, like, music critic, rock writer named Stephen Hyden who like does like a lot of writing about the 90s, music in the 90s. All right, so he, call it, he says, um, Weezer's Freebird. It's the traditional set closer. It has the long guitar solo at the end, and it's a song about desiring what you cannot have. Only Ronnie Van Zant made him the unattainable one, while Rivers Cuomo, of course, is the one who desires. Uh, the guitar solo in Only in Dreams is crafted to fit the structure of sex, or really masturbation, and orgasm, a slow rhythmic buildup that gets louder and faster and more ecstatic as it goes. The Only in Dreams solo is hardly the first guitar solo to be likened to whacking off, but the comparison fits the song thematically, rather than as a reductive shot at an unnecessary display of technical virtuosity. 
the Blue Album was a record made for people who preferred watching to doing, before the internet came along and turned everybody into watchers. What exactly were you watching in Only in Dreams? A guy not get the girl. It was better that way, because Cuomo's core audience of alienated teenage male virgins preferred the camaraderie of those who did not get the girl to actually getting the girl. Because what in the hell do you do with a girl? Dude, that is fucking poetry, first off. <laughs> and that is, po- that is poetry. That is like, I- I'm not sure I could say anything better than what he just said about the Blue Album, Weezer, about this song specifically. I would like to fully endorse the phrase uh, Weezer's Freebird. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I'll go double down on that one. I, I feel like that's about where it stops for me, though. Like, really? I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I say I feel like we've learned more about the reviewer than we have about the reviewer. <laughs> Actually, so there's another piece. Let me just read the rest of this, which is like a quick personal anecdote, okay? He says, quick, pers- quick personal anecdote. The best-looking guy in my group of friends back in my junior year of high school started dating this beautiful senior who could be reasonably described as out of his league. One day, while driving somewhere in his car, he played me a mix CD that she had made for him. Only in Dreams was the last track. I remember thinking to myself, this is an instance of life imitating art, because here's my friend dating this seemingly unattainable girl who subsequently made him a mix CD culminating in a Weezer song about pining after an unattainable girl. Except but he was with the unattainable girl. It doesn't fit. Hold on. That except narrative except, doesn't work. Hold on. Except my friend was dating the girl. So why would she put only in dreams in the crucial anchor slot of the mix CD? Was this her way about him? Was this her way of foreshadowing their eventual breakup? Because it's sort of a weird song with which to end on an ostensibly romantic mix CD. Or did she just not care about lyrics? Looking back, I recognize that my friend wasn't the Rivers Cuomo in this scenario. I was. I was the watcher. Jesus, I am glad that was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I really hope that this guy's life has worked out for him better than the way he felt in that. I don't know. I, 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 felt that, I felt that whole thing, and I felt that whole thing because, like, like the reality is, like, you know, as, as somebody that, like, at 13, 14, 15 was just, like, overwhelmed with, like, feeling and emotion and didn't know what to do with those things, like... It's like you're so dealing with those things that like whatever like you don't even you can't even think of what it is that you would even do if you were with a girl. <laughs> like it's like there's so much there's so much to get there. Like, like what would one do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I guess I guess while I don't argue with the concept put forth necessarily, yeah. I just don't like only in dreams isn't that for me. The okay. song doesn't. It just doesn't do that for me. Okay. I, I honestly like. Yeah, this is one of the songs that. There's like this, half step progression that happens during the chorus, that is like. Is it one of the few like really like minor key kind of components yes. to this entire album? Yes, totally. I I feel like, it's a good idea in the wrong. Like, it comes in that album, and it feels like someone just, like, drastically changed the tracks, like, sonically for me, and it takes me out of enjoying Only in Dreams. Ah, that's interesting. Okay. It's like, I, I 
would prefer a song that was more in the vein of that. Yeah. But throwing that into like the middle of this song just seems really dissonant in a way that that doesn't jive with me. Okay. Wow. All right, Jenny. Um, I guess what I the most I could really say about this one is that um, just as we. I, and I've already forgotten which fucking one at this point, but just as I was just uh, talking about how one of them was like the first time where he sounded, you know, actually angry or resentful. I think that this one is the first one where he really like feels sad. Like there's a tangible sadness to it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it's not one that I gravitate to. It's like definitely one that's in the, like, this is fine category for me. It's not a favorite, but um, I think it's notable for that reason. And I think that <laughs> everything that you read probably <laughs> does a decent amount towards uh, putting that in context, the, I guess. The self-hatred in that writing yeah. is yeah. just, like, yeah, yeah. is, like, pretty epic. And, like, actually, it's, like, pretty, like, I, I, can, I can definitely understand pieces of it. Like, this guy's yeah. had a lot of time sure. to reflect. And... Like, it's kind of like the way that, like, no one else is, like, embarrassing. Um, insofar as, like, I remember being, like, jealous and, like, like angry and not knowing what to do with those things. But, like, thankfully, I never wrote anything down. <laughs> or, like, made a song and then, like, put it, yeah. on, put it on a major label, right? At, at 24. Right. Um. <laughs> this is totally uh, off topic, but I just want to tell you before I forget to share this with you because it's amazing and I love it. Yeah. Speaking of writing things down when we were uh, angsty, so Aaron lived with me uh, for a couple of years in my old apartment and when I moved here, I was like unpacking boxes and there are actual songs that he has scribbled down on uh, envelopes and shit you know, that I kept. And they are amazing and we could probably do a whole podcast episode about songs oh. by themselves. That'd be so fucking awesome. And he is—he is a little bit, I think, upset that that I have my hands on them, but he left them in my house, and they're fair game. So, yeah, it sounds like he should be a little bit upset. Uh, he should—he should be plotting some Mission Impossible style shit to get that back right now. Great. Well, it's a little late because uh, Dab City, and um, you know, one of them was called Dab City, um, and what <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, all about how um, there were I, I'm going to mess it up but uh, there were lots of ladies waiting in his line but he's a little bit busy right now and he, he doesn't really have the time to love them and they're they're going to have to get their butter churned elsewhere like <laughs> their butter churned nice That's, who's using I mean, the butter this, churn metaphor is, in rock in a song? I'm never throwing that away I'm going to have it framed and hang it in my house so that when he comes over, he has to be. No, it's mean. But I would, I would argue, if he ever gets married, you have to front of the wedding party. <laughs> I will, I will wrap it as his wedding present, and when he opens it in front of everyone, everyone will be like, "Oh, read it," and he'll I be think, like, yeah. "I think you should read, uh, you should read yeah, it as yeah. like a, a speech at the wedding." For yeah, sure. exactly. That's <laughs> like. So the thing I keep wondering is, is it set to Detroit Rock City? Is this like because <laughs> feel like the themes. Let's do a different episode where we deconstruct Aaron's uh, musical lyrics. I think, that's, I think that, that is absolutely going to happen. Uh, uh, in any event, my point cool. being that, you know, I think that uh, that 
we've all been there, but thank God most of us no longer have uh, either never wrote it down in the first place or have long since destroyed it as we should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one hopes. I mean, like, yeah. who knows? Who, know, who knows what's floating around somewhere in my parents' house that you well, know, no one's uncovered yet? Who knows? But you know, on the other hand, uh, while not not having the internet growing up was a, a curse in regards to music, it was a blessing in regards to like you know, I only have the dumb shit I said in my twenties to to try to delete. You know, that's exactly. it. And, and that was more emotionally stable than yes. the dumb shit I could have been saying on the internet. For sure, agree. Mm. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think only in dreams is a song that I really. Like, I want to like, but I have a hard time with the progression into that chorus. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's a song that I find my. So when I made my uh, EP, yeah. cut, right, like, it was really like, what songs do I want to skip when I listen to them? Yes. And what songs do I want to listen to? Like, this was not a. I'm sure there will be teenage me cuts. Sure. Um, this was like this a. This was not. This what, was a like you want to listen uh, to. Oh, I, I've listened to the fucking Blue Album like twenty times in a row now. I have to keep listening to the Blue Album, and what can I stand to listen to? <laughs> like All for right. the next few days while we prepare for this. Okay. All right. So look, let's just go through real quick the B sides. Uh, Suzanne is a B side. Do you guys? Do you, Classic. Jenny, do you remember Suzanne? Only from uh, the Mallrats. So so okay. Was that Ma- that wasn't Mallrats? That was Jane's Silent Bob. No, that was Mallrats. So so they're, they're leaving with the monkey. Yes, that's that's yeah. J- trust me, it's it's Mallrats. Okay, alright. It's Mallrats. Um, so <laughs> so that so that's the it's the like it's the outro. It's the credits of Mallrats that that song plays, um, and. I don't know. I really, I for me, I love that song. It's a cool song. It's a great song. I don't know why the hell it wasn't on this album. I have I, no idea. It's better than no one else. It's, like. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. cool. It's cool. And um, if you haven't listened to it, I don't know, Jenny, if you've listened to it. Um, I did. I, but uh, it, it's the one of these for me, like speaking of like, you know, Beach Boys and older, like, you know, the grandfathers of who might be for the for Weezer. This one, like, feels more of a throwback i think than any of the others just because of like that that rhythm you know it has much more of like an older like um even in the slash and axel yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 that one more so than any of the others really feels like it's got like one foot like way back for sure yeah i and and you know like i think uh if we were to compare that and buddy holly like it does that more effectively mm-hmm. than Buddy. Like Buddy Holly is a great kind of throwback kind of rock reference, but I think Suzanne's the better track. Well, Buddy Holly, Maybe. Buddy Holly has the reference to the '50s star, but Suzanne is right. like the song that sounds like more like a '50s song. Yeah, yeah. 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 So wait, um, when we're talking B sides. Do we know who produced these? Like, are these songs that were also recorded with Ocasek? I don't, I don't know. 100%. It makes sense if Ocasek's involved in Suzanne. I don't, yeah, um, I don't know a hundred percent. I so it's really hard. Like, like so, there are four B sides that 
were released with, as part of the, so what I'm calling our B-sides are just songs that were released as part of the singles that were really like in, on the so single wait, song. There, there were three singles? There were three singles. There were four? There were three okay. singles and two videos. Okay. Right? So there was Buddy Holly, um, there was the video for Undone, and then there was a, uh, the, there was a single for Say It Ain't So. Right, okay. Um, so, and yeah, so Suzanne, uh, Michael and Carly was released on one of them, and then the song Jamie, and then there's the song My Eveline, which is like a barbershop quartet song. It's like 40 seconds long. It's a joke. Um, it's just like a joke. So I'm not it's even going to talk about it. It's a bigger joke than the sweater song. Right, the right. only. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, I'm not even going to bother with that one. Um, Michael and Carly, we can talk about more in the after show, but that's the song about these, uh, the... Sorry, Sorry. Go ahead, Jenny. I uh, I know it's supposed to be like sad. I guess it's about you know people um, who I I take it are no longer with us, yeah, and I yeah. I feel bad because I actually really like that song. I really like it too. They, they apparently stopped playing it for like fifteen years. It like, really I, slaps. Like, and I I feel bad. I feel guilty yeah. that it slaps, and I enjoy it so much because I feel like I'm not supposed to, but I do. I, no, I think I you mean, should definitely not, enjoy it. I mean, it's a good yeah. it's a good song. I, 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 this is they, one of those songs where I feel like, why did why was this left off the album? Like, I, I right? don't know. Well, yeah. I, and and yeah, I, I think that when it was written, it was the intention was to slap. Right? This wasn't one of those written homage to yeah to i don't think so fans. yeah that's the like, other thing they I, they wrote it and then like while they were touring the two there was a car accident that, they, that they, killed those two they wrote it before and their sister they wrote it okay, before like they, a lot more sense that yeah they wrote sense. it before yeah. like yeah. it was a fan club like they, they had so they were like a band that had a fan club like early early on and so these two sisters were like you know like some of the first people that were like in their fan club and they're like super fans essentially and mm. So they, they became friends with them, and then they wrote them the song that didn't make the album. And then later on during the Pinkerton tour, they died. So yeah, yeah. no, it's a good song. I mean, it's a great song. Um, I yeah. really dig it. It's pretty simple, but I really dig it. Um, Jamie, I don't really have much to say about it. It's okay. It's fine. Um, yeah, I'm know. completely comfortable like with that song not being on the album. Um, okay. <laughs> Star ratings. Out of five stars, if you had to give it a star rating out of five stars, what would you say? It's like a three. Like three, three stars. It's like a three for me. Like okay. I can I can enjoy it when it's on. It's not a thing that I find myself wanting to go to for any anything. Like it, Weezer doesn't provide anything for me. Like it, it barely ever did. It doesn't now. It's not terrible it doesn't change the game um it's like a three it's like a solid three like solid three is not a bad thing three's i can't not a bad listen thing. to fives all the time three's i can't not listen to thing. nothing but fives three is not that good three is better than 2.5 which Two. would be average sure 60 is 60 an f uh i think so maybe <laughs> We're it depends great, on if we're so. working on that, like, like yeah. that dead decimal, or right, if right. it's like a, the three range. Three, you know, okay. if it's a, yeah. No, so, so I, it, it's a three. Fine. So it's fine for you. It's fine. Right. I'm not gonna. I, I, my ears don't bleed. I don't go through any sort of pain and suffering when it's right. on. That's, um, good. That's, that's good. I'm also not gonna stop conversation for anything on this album. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
All right, Jenny? Uh, you know, oddly enough, I think I, I might also end up probably a 3 or a 3.5. And I, I feel very bad saying that because I think it's highly variable by song. There's some songs that I really like, like a lot, and I would give them like fours and fives. But because half of the album is songs that I'm like very meh about, the average ends up getting drugged down, which is unfortunate. So, um, you know, I, and I have that problem with virtually every album. I mean, there's there's a few that are solid all the way through, but you know, I feel like it's unfair <laughs> in a way to say like three point five because it's. Get mad. Don't worry. But there are some good songs. Yeah, 3.5, there's some good songs. Okay, um, I'm going to give it 4 out of 5 stars. Um, I don't think that there's a bad song on this whole record. And and I, I, I give that 4 stars just remembering the context of the 90s when sure. there were albums that came out that had 20 tracks. There was like one good song on there and you paid 20 bucks for it. And yeah. so, like, I feel like there's not one bad song on here. There's, like, songs I don't love, but there's not one bad song on here. I also feel like this album, like, I wasn't, like, this album is the is the persona, I think, is closer to the person that I was back then and less the person I wanted to be. And I want I listened to music that was like more about the person I wanted to be and less who I was, and like now having twenty five years of like separation really, um, like if for me I feel like like I don't have the baggage and I can kind of let go of that and sort of examine it like from a high level, and like you know I think that this this album like it's like the even the songs that are like that didn't age well or whatever like they're all kind of like a lot of these songs are like little pieces of me from back then that i don't know why i, I maybe i was just distracted by like how like pretty and like the melodies how good the melodies were on the song but i just never listened to it really mm -hmm. and um listening to it now i just like man i should have listened to it back then i think it probably would have given me some some sort of comfort or something i don't know so that's that's my four, four, four out of five stars. So. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I like to think about this as like, to, to think about how much money I spent on albums that were exactly like you said, yeah. like one or two songs that I find myself enjoying and, you know, then I'm dropping like 20 bucks on that album. This is certainly good value, like 10 listenable songs. Right. And at 13, that's probably why it dominated, you know, any time that it dominated on my playlist, it's probably why it's that I can put that in, leave that in and be just as happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. so let's go on to the EP cuts. Um, should I start? I'm happy to. Sure, go okay. for it. All right, so my my EP cut, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I cheated and I added a B-side. Uh, I actually added B-sides because I thought we could. So. Yes, good, perfect, beautiful. I mean, there are no rules. I just, you know, um, 
but um, so yeah, my EP cut uh, is twenty, almost twenty-seven minutes long. Um, track one is "Holiday." Track two is "The World Has Turned and Left Me Here." Track three, "Say It Ain't So." Track four, "Suzanne." Track five, "In the Garage." Track six, "Only in Dreams." I, I, I couldn't put "Only in Dreams" anywhere else, but at the end, that what he's saying about Weezer's "Freebird" is like so right and like like i love free freebird is like maybe in my top 10 of like songs of all time <laughs> like i could listen to freebird right now um and like he's totally right like freebird is about it's like it's delivered from a confident posture it's like man hey like i'm free like i'm sorry but i'm free i gotta go you know like i gotta get out of here right um that's just the way it goes um, and then his version of it is is the exact opposite it's like I'm not confident never like, pining and so like it's like Freebird is Freebird is like the, the person I wanted to be as a teenager and <laughs> only in dreams is the person I was <laughs> or maybe put another way it's been a challenging mating season for Freebird person <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but i love both so so yeah so that's my um that's my ep cut um i left off buddy holly i left off no one else i left off my name is jonas um i left off uh, the sweater song I, but none of those songs are songs that i dislike they're all cool and good and that's it yeah i mean i i think i i think i would agree with that that the ones I left off were not bad songs, and I think that that's a really fair, a really really fair point to make. Is that like Lewis is right? It could be, it could be so much worse. And like the fact that I'm just choosing amongst good songs and leaving off the the fine songs, I think is says something. Mm-hmm. Um, mine ended up being, and I don't know if they're in a particular order per se, but uh, I would have to put this butter song first just because. And then um, from the actual album, I kept Buddy Holly, which I do like, even though I feel like it's kind of cheesy as fuck. I still, I still bounce to it. And that's like, you know, that's a benchmark, at least in my book. So um, I kept My Name is Jonas and Say It Ain't So. And then my B-sides, I actually like these. And frankly, these might, if I were ordering them in, in order of preference, Michael and Carly and Jamie would be two and three probably. Oh shit! So we we yeah. should have talked about Jamie. Um, I I think Jamie's cool. I guess I just I, so what was it? What was it about Jamie? Actually, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure why I think this, and I tried to do some quick googling to see if I was crazy. But the first time I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this from a soundtrack. And then I kept going back to try to figure out like where I'd heard it, and I, I'm not sure that that's actually true. I, I think that might have been like a pile of shit and, and a, just not a right memory. Okay. But it sounded so familiar, and like it just um, it. Not only do I think it's a good song, uh, but also it it sounded like I just had kind of like a gut reaction to it like oh yeah like this must have been on like angus or like one of those like very 90s coming of age like punk punk style movies that 
appealed to me back then. Yeah. Um, Could have I don't think so. I tried Googling, like, Mr. <laughs> Jamie and soundtrack and didn't pull anything no. up, so I might just be crazy. But I do like it. I think it's... Uh, it, Something about it is uh, is comforting. So, I like it. We'll, we we can talk about Pinkerton later, but like Pinkerton's like B sides. I have no idea why the fuck they got left off of Pinkerton. Like they're some of the best songs they've ever done, and I feel the same way about at least two of these B sides. Like, yeah. Like what the fuck were they thinking? Like there's no theme to this record. Like there's no like it's not like a concept album. So like it's not like oh well this didn't make sense because it didn't fit the story or some shit like that. Oh yeah, right. So I don't even know. Like, um, it makes no sense to me. But I love, I love, like Michael and Carly. I love that song. It's really simple, but it's really beautiful. Like, it has more like the twee kind of like indie. Like I don't know, it has like more of like the Pixies kind of indie sound to me. Um, yeah. But I love it. Like I mean, that's a good sound. Um, yeah. I dig it. Okay. I like them both, and I think that like even Jamie has that little goofy like. That they just throw in right. and like I don't know, kind yeah. of it. it's endearing. Okay, cool. All right, Ryan, what do you got? So, uh, Michael and Carly, Suzanne for sure. Um, my name is Jonas. There's again, there's just something about the way that pops in that mm-hmm. it, it may not stick for the whole song for me, but it just yeah, there's something about the punch at the beginning of that song that makes my cut. Um, Surf Wax America, In the Garage, Holiday, and still no one else. Wow. <laughs> See, I actually, no one else was the one that I had the most, like, back and forth on whether I made the cut. And for, I, for me, it was just, again, like, for me, it was like, do you know why it was like, is like, for me, including it is probably would have been more represent, more representative of like me back then. <laughs> so like like so for me like that was like it was more like okay that feels more true but yeah i don't know i i mean uh, this is completely um independent of tricks um this is this is just about i can hear the song yeah again um and ignore the lyrics and still really like the groove of the song um but yeah, I can't listen to. There's so like the singles from this album. As much as I like the guitar solo of "Say It Ain't So," yeah. I can't. I can't sit through "Say It Ain't So" again. I can't really sit through the sweater song or Buddy Holly again. So you just don't have enough just, separation. I, I there's there's not enough separate. Like I've listened to this so few times <laughs> since the time it came out that. Huh there's no way to get more separation I, I i just can't i can't sit down and listen to the album listen to those tracks without going yeah okay next um it just maybe it's like the way i listened to it this week and the fact that i tried really hard to get this in my rotation <laughs> um, maybe a casually casual maybe could like listen to this Ledger song or say it ain't so a few more times. I understand There's though. No alternate Ryan reality with Buddy Holly is a track that I would hear again. I, I, don't, um, I don't. I understand. I mean, I feel. I feel like that about lots of songs from the '90s, right? Like it's just like I can't yeah. fucking listen to this thing one more fucking time, right? Um, yeah. 
But usually those songs aren't on records where I feel like the re- the rest of the record is strong, right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, like, you know, like I will I can't listen to like any you know I don't know like All Star by Smash Mouth or Walking on the Sun, right? But like also I can't yeah. listen to anything else by Smash Mouth, right? Because like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, I mean, but but you know it's 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 a tough comparison to make like. Buddy Holly's still a good song. I can still talk about like these being good songs. Yeah. I just don't don't want to hear them again. Like if I'm making a playlist, it's not going to have them because there's no part of me that wants to hear that again. <laughs> I, where, whereas like yeah. like the songs that I pick are songs that I don't ever really hear of right. Weezer. Yeah. And even on multiple playthroughs, I haven't gotten sick of them. Right. Um, they all have their problems for sure. Um, but in terms of like what I can, what I want to hear. Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. I don't know. All right. I, I, if, you, if I could cut the, the vocals out of um, no one else, it, it'd be a perfect song. Yeah. <laughs> um, It'd be like a Rocky, or not a Rocky Erickson, it'd be like a Stevie Moore song, right? Like, I think, right? Like, you just cut the lyrics out and just, like, play it, like, all fuzzed yeah. out, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I would be, I, I'm, yeah, I'm still amazed that, like, having never put out an album before, like, this album is as solid as it is the whole way through. Um, you know, it's ten tracks of listenable material, for sure. Okay. All right, so I think we did it. Fucking high five. Um, <laughs> we, we fucking did it. 